Welcome to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. I'm Scott, and I thank you for joining us. Hello, I'm speaking to you from the state of Washington in the USA. It is late March, as I speak, in 2020, and we are in the midst of a burgeoning public health crisis. It's, it's a strange situation. We're under lockdown. Doing this podcast feels a little bit out of sync for some reason. This episode includes an interview and the music of Bugs in the Basement, which is a duo that has been recording weekly for years. They do live improvisational sessions, usually a single track that exceeds an hour in length, it's really quite remarkable, and I want to give this introduction because the interview was done a few months ago, and it feels like the world has changed so much in that time, but at the same time, it feels like creative music is needed more than ever. This is a discussion with Herman and Justin, who have been featured in this podcast a few times. We discuss a lot of issues, and we're going to hear music from their new album, Uh, which is simply called Volume 2. What's essential to me about Bugs in the Basement are three things. Number one, it's their process, which is they do record live, and it's just two people. You listen to the music and think about that, because it it feels much more expansive than that. Uh, Recording live, there's a certain kind of pressure that's not there in the studio, although there's there's pressure in studio recording as well to get things perfect, but recording live, you've got to work on the fly, as they say. I think that's a pun. That they do this continually, I think, speaks to the power of persistence, which is the second thing I want to point out about them that I think is distinctive. They have been doing this for years. I think it might be about seven years at this point, and they do it weekly. I think if you added up all the music that they've done in these live sessions, uh, which, by the way, are published every week live, it's on their website, bugsinthebasement.com, and the Bugs in the Basement podcast, which I highly recommend. If you put these together, I think it spans like more than 12 days, like continuous music, it's, and it's all completely original, composed spontaneously. So that's kind of amazing to me. And the third thing I want to mention, and I think that's where this is relevant to this strange time that we're in right now, is the meditative nature of what they do. Their music evolves very gradually. So the meditative nature of their music, I think, is really something that can help put people in a in a state of mind where they can tackle the challenges of the world right now. Without further ado, I want to turn it over to our interview and the music of Bugs in the Basement. Enjoy. The improvised music, at least the improvised music that we make, allows us to journey to a place that we couldn't 
we, we couldn't compose or create without the experience of getting there. To me, that's more of what the improvised experience is about, is the journey. So it's a generative process, not a process of trying to achieve perfection or trying to achieve a pre-existing idea. You, you have to be completely open to what's going on and let that tell you or show you what you might want to do. I don't know how often I use labels to describe music now, but if you think about it, the all the hashtags and the, we live in a very label-centric society now. So I kind of grew up uh, and, and, and my, my parents and stuff being from a generation that was about uh, not having labels. They really were like anti-labeling, you know, labeling things. We were all just, you know, humans on the planet having this, you know, experience. And nowadays it seems like there is uh, labels and sub-labels for every, you know, identity on the planet. Um, everybody wants to be included or wants to feel like they're part of um, part of a group. So they, so we've created all these identities and all these label stuff. And I think about like the hardcore, um, the hardcore like the metal scene. There is an infinite amount of sub genres for um, for hardcore music now. I don't really use those labels when I'm referring to music with friends and stuff so I don't know what the benefit of them is but when I think of the hashtags and the stuff it's kind of this self fulfilling generator that if you label your music psychedelic then you're going to attract the people who either also label their music psychedelic or the small group that is like zoned in on that's what that's the world I am but the people who listen to ambient music aren't going to cross over you know so these labels have kind of created these little subdivisions everywhere I think it is so interesting that you you pick those two because they they actually show up on um, the right brain Records site just because you know, we struggle to give people some information about what to expect. It's just like you said, Armand, um, that you you might want to know that it's not classical music. And if it's punk rock, if, if you like punk rock, go there and, you know, maybe you're in the right place. But uh, I actually looked up psychedelic to see what it meant as a genre. It turns out it has a very interesting historic uh, definition that is by and large is rendered meaningless by the way people use it. So very often when people say psychedelic, Thanks, Jefferson they, Airplane. Well, well, yeah. So Jefferson Airplane had a it had a psychedelic element to it in the '60s, but that actually does not fit the definition. It's not even close to what psychedelic music actually is yeah. supposedly. And but I think that's what people mean. Like they're they're recreating 60s pop and what they're playing is classic rock if you need a genre term but this is the right brain music podcast and words and language is kind of as as it's defined it's left brain stuff and 
So we want to be in the realm of ideas and emotions and expression and the words it really are, are something different. But let me play devil's advocate that these labels in a world where there's too much information, the labels can help you dial in relatively quickly to music or other things that you might like. And whereas on the one hand, I could say that those are limiting factors, I also wonder if they're, they're just necessary in a world where information is just overwhelming. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a way to uh, connect. If you like certain label or whatever, and that band has the hashtag with that label, you might you might seek them out. But at the same time, it could be a deterrent. But maybe if somebody would have shown me, oh, this big album has a lot of Americana, I probably I wouldn't have listened to it. So that's that's when you gotta draw the line of not getting carried away about the 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 subgenre or whatever. I mean, in, in very very wide paintbrushes, like you go to a record store and you're gonna head out to the jazz section or the rock section, I get that part. who improvise a question that they often get is how do you how do you know what to do and where that question comes from so that's from listeners and perhaps other musicians as well where that comes from was I think is ultimately a place where we're we're sort of taught and conditioned from when we're young that there's supposed to be a certain amount of structure and part of that structure is you know in advance where something is supposed to go I think even in jazz, which has a lot of jazz, which has a degree of improvisation in it, it but that's boxed in. It's, there are guardrails there. And when the whole structure of a piece is open and unknown, that's to me one of the curious things about your work is the fact that even at the beginning of a piece, you haven't even talked about where is this going to go? How are we going to start? What happens in the middle? When are we going to end? How will we end? So, as a matter of fact, I mean, just to just to drive that idea home a little bit more, we work at at, at at almost at the opposite of that end. You know, like I remember a session a while ago, Herman had just built a new kalimba. It was in a particular key. I knew that it was in a particular key, but he wasn't going to ask, hey, can we play in this key so I can use my new kalimba tonight? Matter of fact, he said, I'm not even going to ask to play in this key because we don't want to... We don't want to... <laughs> that will be already closing doors. It would and be then closing a door. We would already have established a key. So, I mean, we work a, a completely against that idea. We won't even establish a key or an idea or anything before we start playing. So I'd like to talk about like, what's your state of mind while these sessions are evolving? Are like, are you thinking, to use your example, 
are you thinking, you know, I want to work the kalimba in here at some point. I'll, maybe it's I'll wait till the right time, but I've got, I can see it over there and I'm thinking about it. And at some point I'm going to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know always, but yeah, whenever it's a new instrument or a, or a new trach or something, of course you want to use it, but you don't want to push it. Every time we push something, call it an instrument, call it a chord progression, call it a, every time we try to push something, it just backfires. It just, it's the opposite. It's just like, ah, uh, it gives us this taste of like, ah. Uh, so the muses fly away. When you say it backfires, huh. would, so you're doing this stuff live. So there's no retake. You don't, you don't say yeah. cut after 20 minutes. Okay, cut. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's mix the first 15 minutes there and, yeah, and kill the rest. Either. And now let's start again. You're, you're doing it and you're committed to putting it out there. And so would, would the rest of us, would we even know if it backfired? Or is that something you, I mean, is that something you alone would even recognize? Or do you think it would be detectable? I uh, think it's very subjective. I mean, what I might consider as, as being, I don't know, stammer on something, uh, somebody might consider, oh, how cool was that? Or the other way around. I, I think it's very subjective. Like a, a bad note is a bad note. But, uh, but, and there will be times in which when we're starting, right when we're starting making whatever some noise or some hints or something if something goes wrong with a computer we have, we have issues with a click or something we might just stop and start over but when it's not like oh yeah let's go to that part I mean we just like start over and it's gonna sound maybe similar maybe not like but uh... yeah it's interesting because we you know we talk about all this in in music terms music ideas and instruments and stuff like that and I think the metaphor that is that has always worked the best for us is uh, is painting. And so when you're when you're making art or you're making a painting or something, it's a, it's a completely different process. I mean, we have a tendency to to look at music and compositions and arrangements and ideas. And you're talking about you know jazz players. And yeah, if I was to improvise over you know, autumn leaves or some jazz standard, I would know what the chord progression was. I would know where the head was at and how to, how it was going to end and stuff. It's, it's a different kind of improvising. Like what we do is, it's a conversation that goes down this road that we don't know where it's going to end at. We don't know what the middle is going to be like. We have no idea. And by ping-ponging off of each other, we end up in destinations that, that you could not compose if you wanted to. We had a session just a few weeks ago that, in my opinion, the, the majority of the session was mediocre. There was nothing, nothing too exciting about it. Uh, we didn't pull off any fancy tricks or do anything that we were you know, excited about. But at the end of the session, we found ourselves in a, in a place that was uh, I don't know I don't know it seemed it seemed magical it seemed like wow we really made it to this destination that neither one of us could have sat down and composed
is it about being in the interactive situation with someone you know well that takes you to a different place in creating the music? Well, it's, it's all these... Um... It's all these things that I cannot foresee. I mean, even though I have an idea of his musical taste and some some of the things that he will go to or the same, he will know things that I go to. Uh, if when I'm playing myself, I know myself. It's there's no surprises. I mean, there, there might be some spark here and there, whereas the other way, just completely influenced by what's by what's going on. It's a, it's a completely different, completely different feeling. I don't know how to describe it perfectly yeah. but so related to that how how do you get comfortable living outside the comfort zone because I think that's what you were saying earlier Justin that you specifically want to stay out of the comfort zone yeah, and yeah. yet you have to be comfortable enough to be working in that unexplored territory so how do you uh, get comfortable enough to do that I still feel like it's it's such a personal journey for us and it's such a, a meditative process these things that the music is just a reflection of that experience the sessions are not the destination so we can analyze the sessions forever and and put ideas into them and put thoughts into them and and, and, and go, oh, this is such a great compositional idea to bring this guitar in or bring this synth or this piano or like what were you thinking in that moment when you decided to make that choice and th that's not where the focus is at for us. That is a reflection of what our experience is. And so uh, for me, the, the intention is is the process for me it's the it's the meditation of it it's the discipline of it it's the showing up every week it's the challenging yourself the the growth the the excuse to make new instruments or to explore new artistic ideas or make our videos or do like all the intention it lies in that realm
want to ask you about patience. Is your music, that's another thing that strikes me about Bugs in the Basement, is that patience is almost required in order to really get the music. And it seems that patience is required to make it as well. And I've, I've admired how you're able to just let something develop at its own pace. And sometimes you'll find something that feels good and you'll let it exist for a while. And looking from the production end, I'm often mixing pieces that are anywhere from three minutes to seven minutes. And very often eight or nine minutes would be considered a long piece. And eight or nine minutes would be an introduction to the introduction for some of your pieces. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on patience and how that, how that fits in here? I think it, we might need more patience to listen to it than to do it because <laughs> for us it always feels when, when we realize, when we realize that we hit the spot in which we're gonna go down, like to just wrap it up, uh, it feels like we just started. It's like, really? Now again, seven more days to wait? Like it feels go so fast. Even worse, we're struggling. There's moments of struggle that luckily there's no open mics listening to what we say. Uh, you, you hear a lot of uh, cussing in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when something is failing. And... You, you need to record that. No. That's, that would really... Well, in the old days, I think, I think uh, in the, the beginning we have some sessions in which uh, there's some, some yelling uh, in Spanish and English and along with some snacks. Yeah. Sounds. Yeah. Yeah, but... Um, no, but seriously, I, I think, uh, if anything, patience more to listen. But but if, for me, it's like, if you need patience to listen to this, um, it's okay, it's, it's totally fine. But you might not like it, or you might not be listening the way that you're going to absorb it. I, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, I can see some people, like, even at home, I get sometimes, like, that. Like, can you turn it down a little bit? It's, it's getting a little bit repetitive. <laughs> but, and it's like, I wouldn't, I don't feel that, but I'm in a different boat. And in the moment, for sure, it was not. So for me, that's really what's important. In the moment, it's the, I don't think I need patience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the, like our experience, our personal experience with making it. And you've experienced, probably experienced this, Scott, because you've listened to so much of it, is... <laughs> it is relatable to your personal experience whatever you're doing while listening to it I mean a little behind the curtain is that creating it is not that relaxed of an experience it's, this falls into the category of like composing on the fly where you grab a guitar you want to play something but you're trying to create you don't have time to sit in the studio for three hours and create the the tone that you want for your guitar. You are in the moment scrambling patching effects, dialing in volumes, trying to get the sound that you want, and it's been two minutes and you feel like you haven't contributed anything. And finally you have to just go out and start playing, even though it's not quite the sound that you were searching for. It's 
it's a completely like I don't think it's a patient experience in the creating of it. down to is getting into that space of having no expectations yeah and not worrying about am i doing this right either from the making the music side or the listening to the music side and one thing i find in trying to talk about improvised music with people is that folks seem worried that they don't know enough to appreciate it and to me it's almost the, the exact inverse, like knowing stuff and expecting what you're going to see actually can get in a way of understanding yeah. the experience. You mm -hmm. can just let the sound wash over you and that it, might be the like, best experience, so just let it happen. It's like looking at a painting. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's the same thing. You don't have to know how the artist made it or what type of acrylics they used on the canvas. Mm. Have you ever been in a museum where there's someone... You can hear someone behind you uh, explaining yeah, exactly. the relevance and all the facts you need to know in order to actually appreciate this painting. Yeah. I keep yeah. thinking you just ruined, yeah, yeah. ruined the painting for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of recorded music, that without recordings, everyone would have to experience it in the same place at the mm -hmm. same time, in one way, with whatever group happened to be there. Yeah. And those can be great experiences, the live music, but with recorded music, there's almost an infinite number of contexts, and also the number of times you listen to it. So I get, I get more and more out of repeated listens sometimes to things like, you know, I didn't realize that. I realized, you know, that this change was happening from yeah. point A to point G right. point, yeah, 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 point totally. M. And yeah. some albums that I, I got in high school and I'll yeah. you know, maybe haven't listened to them in twenty years and I'll pull them out and sometimes I'll I'll realize that I was a knucklehead in high school. Like how could I have liked this? But then other times I realize, you know, this was great and I didn't even really get it. Yeah. Then or now I'll hear things that I, I've never heard before, but that's the beauty of it. And and your music is is so rich. There's an infinite number of possibilities there. Yeah, and there's there's something there's synchronicity, and I don't know what it is when you're tapping around in that world where where coincidences happen. And I could speculate that you know when you're when you're improvising, you're opening yourself up to the. To the conduit that is the ideas of the the universe and people, you know, everyone kind of can tap into the same source of creative energies and stuff. When you're when you're coming from that space, there's more opportunity for synchronicity and for coincidences and for uh, relationships with what how you experience life when you're when you're open and in tune to it. 
and Herman and I will constantly be both randomly texting each other at the same time or have similar ideas or be just connected on that wavelength. And like even last night, you know, I got home, like I said, Bugs in the Basement was on. You sent us the copy of the album. I was like, oh, okay, cool, here's some tracks. I picked the third track and kind of just scrolled. I was just going to like, I'll just skip around and just see randomly what 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 Scott was, what he thought was great. And I, so I picked like the third track. That's I one. scrolled to it just five minutes in, hit play on my phone. And I was in the bedroom and the stereo was in the other room. It was the exact same session within a couple of minutes of what was on playing. shuffle playing in my living room. That's <laughs> funny. And I was like, yeah. wow, that's, it's, it's, I mean, even that section, even that track has a variety of spots that I could have gone to. And the fact that I went to, I mean, basically the exact same feel of the same song. tendency to uh, uh, the more we know the more we we come to conclusions before actually knowing it you know so we'll be you know and Herman and I do it all the time when we're problem solving or or trying to work something out and we think we know the answer 
because we we have experience in it. So we've already convinced ourselves like, oh, no, wait, this is what's going on. Instead of, again, just going through and living, like working through the process and discovering like, oh, wait, I was, I was quick to jump to a conclusion a, because of. Yeah, and a good analogy my, uh, there is education on something. political correctness or the opposite of political correctness, where you sort of come to the conclusion before before a discussion starts or you have a discussion only with people you know will agree with you and sort of genre labels can box that in yeah, oh, oh you like folk music so now we have something we can talk about but why can't someone who loves punk rock have a conversation about music with someone who only loves classical yeah. music or more so, why can't someone who it's gonna be more interesting for who sure. listens to classical music? Why can't they listen to punk rock? Yeah.
We've been talking to Bugs in the Basement and listening to selections from their new album, Volume 2. This album was distilled from selections from their 2019 recording sessions, edited together into one cohesive program. It's available on Right Brain Records. You've been listening to the Right Brain Music Podcast, presented by Right Brain Records. You can visit us at rightbrainrecords.com. Farewell for now. Join us next time.